The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, There was a rich man, and he had a steward who was denounced to him for being wasteful with his property. He called for the man and said, What is this I hear about you? Draw me up an account of your stewardship, because you are not to be my steward any longer. Then the steward said to himself, Now that my master is taking the stewardship from me, what am I to do? Dig? I am not strong enough. Go begging? I should be too ashamed. Ah, I know what I will do to make sure that when I am, in dis when I am dismissed from office, there will be some to welcome me into their homes. Then he called his master's debtors one by one. To the first he said, How much do you owe my master? One hundred measures of oil, was the reply. The steward said, Here, take your bond, sit down straight away and write fifty. To another he said, And you, sir, how much do you owe? One hundred measures of wheat, was the reply. The steward said, Here, take your bond and write eighty. The master praised the dishonest steward for his astuteness. For the children of this world are more astute in dealing with their own kind than are the children of light. And so I tell you this, use money, tainted as it is, to win you friends, and thus make sure that when it fails you, they will welcome you into their tents for eternity. The man who can be trusted in little things can be trusted in great. The man who is dishonest in, thing, in little things will be dishonest in great. If then you cannot be trusted with money, that tainted thing, who will trust you with genuine riches? And if you cannot be trusted with what is not yours, who will give you what is your very own? No servant can be the slave of two masters. He will either hate the first and love the second, or treat the first with respect and the second with scorn. You cannot be the slave both of God and of money. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. As I was sitting with the readings, the overarching theme that I could sense sort of running, running through the readings was this theme of justice. Justice is something that really, if, if, if we look and check, all of our concerns center around a kind of um, expectation of justice, a great valuing of justice. No one has to teach us this. I mean, think of the, the arguments that we've heard the youngest in our community having. I was sitting there first. C.S. Lewis points this out in his book. You know, no one, no one teaches people this, but, but they're asserting a kind of agreed upon tacit understanding of what justice is. I was sitting there. Who cares? You're not sitting there anymore. No, I was sitting there. Like, I'm entitled to sit there still. I, I just got up to get a drink or whatever. Isn't that like, uh, I own that, or I used that, or I'm entitled to that? The argument is, is an assertion of a kind of somehow understood higher law of justice. They're not appealing to themselves, but they're appealing to something that everyone should have, should have a grasp of. Very interesting. Very interesting. And as people of faith, this makes perfect sense to us. It might be very perplexing if, if we don't understand that justice comes from God. Because God is justice. God is the just one who avenges. So wherever there is justice, God is made known, God is manifest, and wherever there is injustice by contrast, and sadly there's injustice everywhere, 
at every layer of society, and even at every layer of the human heart inside us, injustice is rife. Wherever there is injustice, the image of God in heaven and on earth, that means God who we worship and God in our brothers and sisters, that image is scorned, as we heard in the first reading, is trampled underfoot. It's a great injustice that that could even happen, but it does. Listen for a second to the church's definition of uh, justice and the catechism here. It gives a sort of sweeping view, but, but listen, to the, listen to what it covers. So it says here, justice is the cardinal moral virtue which consists in the constant and firm will to give their due to God and neighbor. That's the greatest commandment. How do I pursue heaven and bring heaven to earth? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, everything, and your neighbor as yourself. This is a justice issue. That's actually what everyone is due. And and therefore that obligation lies on each of us. It goes on, original justice refers to the state in which God created humanity. So Adam and Eve were created just. Sometimes we have a tendency to to have this depraved image of humanity. Oh, humans are broken, humans are intrinsically selfish, humans are this, that. No, actually, that's not how God made us. God is love. We're created in the image of God. That means we're created in the image of love. Does that sound unjust to you? We're created to reflect the glory, the wonder, the goodness of God. Intrinsically good, even though over the course of history we've, we've warped that or, or wandered off track in different ways. It then goes to define three kinds of justice, and this is interesting. It says, commutative justice is the obligations that we have to our neighbour. And it says, this refers to the, the seventh commandment, which is, thou shalt not steal. So it's wrong to steal. It's wrong to expect everything to come to me because I'm not owed that. (laughs) But I am owed basic respect. Then it talks about legal justice and distributive justice. Legal justice concerns when a citizen owes the community something. So look around you. We've got this community of faith. And each of us owes the entire community something. Us being here in faith is part of that obligation. We're here to gather because the body of Christ calls us to gather. We're here to pray because the body of Christ expects your prayers, your prayers, each of our prayers. That's that's a justice issue. That's one of our obligations. But then it goes both ways. It says distributive justice regards the community owing its individuals the proportions to their contributions and needs. So it's not just you who's obliged to the community. The community is also obliged to each of you. The whole community wraps itself around each one of you in prayer, in charity, in faith, in trust, in compassion. This is the vision of justice that God firstly sort of shapes the world in and then calls us to. That's why that reading from Amos ought to jar us because Amos is a prophet. He's a shepherd, in fact, but he's a prophet And he's saying, you people who are eager to swindle and trample and marginalize and secure your little booty, don't think that God doesn't see this. And don't think that God, who is just, will not right every wrong. That's not meant to make them anxious, but it's meant to remind them we live in a world that has 
governance. And the governor is God himself. But how does God govern? Because it's rare for us, probably, that, that God himself in sort of his unalloyed glory just breaks into our consciousness and says, do that, don't do this, smack. You know, God, God doesn't seem to work that way. Rather, God works through secondary causes, doesn't he? And that means that each of us shares in the kind of the, the just action of God. When God is justifying things, he does it through us, through our prayers, through our sufferings. And then as it goes up the, the sort of hierarchy, that's why Paul says, pray for your leaders, because God is actually going to exercise, exercise his justice through them. Even though we're frail, even though the higher someone climbs on a ladder, the more prone they become to corruption, because they start to maybe mistake themselves for God himself. No, God desires that we would gather as a single people, that we would gather in prayer for ourselves, and we all have our needs, for our family, and God knows our families have their needs, for our community, and our community has its needs, for our nation, for our world, and on and on it goes. We pray that justice would prevail. Finally, think of the psalm and the refrain that it has there. Praise the Lord who lifts up the poor. You think to yourself, a day won't go by where you don't taste the, 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 the sadness of injustice in the world because it is everywhere to be found, in little ways and in big ways. And, and the temptation is to turn a blind eye to it or to, or to permit it. Or, or to get very angry at the world and to sort of rage against it. I think both of those are maybe not, not the most helpful response we can have. But we see this injustice, and what is our response? The psalm gives us an unexpected one. Praise. Isn't that odd? We see injustice. We see the poor marginalized. We see all sorts of abuses of God's proper order of things. And our response is to be praise. Praise is not an airy-fairy thing. Praise is me positioning myself at the feet of my Heavenly Father who knows all, who sees all, who is compassionate, who is not distant from us, but in fact knows our sufferings better than we do. He entered deep into the mystery of suffering and death. So when I praise Him, it's a great act of trust. It's a great act of expectation. God, I know that you're good. I know that goodness will prevail in the end, even though things are dark. I know that these people that you've been pleased to put in leadership will in some way contribute to your will, even if they think they're directly opposed to it, even if they set themselves at direct odds to it. God, your goodness is sovereign. Your justice really can't be thwarted, even if the whole of creation was to rally against God. God is not someone who can be toppled over. No, God's justice is, is our sure hope. So we turn to God in praise. Think of the prayer of the Magnificat, Mary's beautiful hymn. My soul glorifies the Lord, my spirit exalts in God my Saviour, for he has raised up the lowly and thrown down the mighty. He sent the rich away empty, but the hungry he's filled with good things. Mary's song is our song, and she is in fact the pilgrim who walks with us, who walks behind and before us. So why don't we turn to God now in silent praise in our hearts?
in trust, in faith, gathering with us all the world that we see, with all its brokenness, with all its darkness. Praising God is the mode of operation. We come together now, we come to the altar, where every injustice is in fact righted. Every wound is healed. Every uh, abuse is righted. We come into the peace of God's kingdom, which lasts forever.